Set a spark to your integrated business and marketing strategies with America's top entrepreneurs and business leaders here at Integrate and Ignite with your host, Lori Jones. Welcome to the Integrate and Ignite podcast. Jolene, a.k.a. JoJo Collins, is the Sriracha Maven. She began making JoJo's Sriracha during a yoga teacher training that solidified her commitment to healthy lifestyle. JoJo's Sriracha has been featured in Sriracha, the documentary, and on the cooking channel. Her company, Love Heart Inc., raises money every year for the ALS Lou Gehrig's Disease Association. JoJo's mission statement is love hard, and we're excited to learn more about the mindset that makes you care. Welcome to Integrate and Ignite, JoJo. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you. Okay, so to bring us back here real quick, you were in yoga instruction, Yep. and you decide that you need sriracha. How did the two meet? So I had always been a sriracha fiend since I was a teenager. So I was the person that put that squeeze bottle sriracha on basically everything that I ate. <laughs> and then I get thrown into this yoga training. They put us on an Ayurvedic cleanse. And the month before, I had decided to take refined sugar out of my diet. It was the first time that I cared to look at the ingredients of the things that I was eating to learn more about my foods and start taking better care of my body. And I realized that the squeeze bottle stuff was full of sugar, it has artificial ingredients, stabilizers, preservatives. And I was like, oh, like, what am I going to do? Like a month without this. And then we're on this other cleanse and I can't have sriracha. So I was like, I'm going to make my own. <laughs> so that, that was my inspiration was to just have this thing that I loved and to make a better version of it. And I had, I really had no idea what I was doing, um, but I blew up my kitchen with chili peppers and started learning how to ferment and eventually made something that tasted pretty damn good. Well, I'm excited to learn more about that. I, it's not an easy space and you are really forging uh, yourself and in distribution and in sales, of course. So um, I cannot wait uh, to learn more about that. So let's talk more about, you know, the natural food industry. It's not easy. Uh, paleo, gluten-free, non-GMO, you know, all these trends are so interesting. Do you have any thoughts on trends in general and really, you know, how your product fits within them and any that you might be paying close attention to? I definitely have a lot of thoughts, um, more thoughts than we have time to really go over. But I've always believed that good business solves problems and there are a lot of problems in the food system. And so once I started learning about food and food labels and really what was in food, I realized how, how much like grossness I was, I was Ugh, eating and putting in my body. So that was my incentive to make, you know, this one product better than what was available. And so since then, that was in um, 2012. So, you know, since then, I've really become aware of a lot of these trends. And I think that on one hand, they're a part of the solution. So it's people that are becoming more cognizant of what they're eating. They're looking at things that don't make their body feel good when they eat it. And then we're seeing the labeling come out of that, whether something is, you know, certified organic or non-GMO or this project or that. And I think that that's good, but I also think that consumers don't always understand the minutia of these labeling laws. So you'll have companies that aren't, you know, ethically putting products out. They're just trying to get you to buy your product and it's still not a good healthy product, but it's being marketed that way. And so it's really 
confusing to figure out, you know, is this something that's good for me? Should I purchase it because I'm concerned about my lifestyle and what I'm putting in my body? Or does it just look good for me and I'm going to buy it anyways and then, you know, subversively get these ingredients that maybe you don't actually want? So I think that it's actually really quite complicated and continues to be so. It is. And, and, you know, and I think it's, you know, the food industry in, in general, at least the natural food industry, have to give people a reason to care, right? Yeah. And that is really how you forge, you know, a path to travel down with the industry as a whole and distribution and, you know, some of the great, great grocery chains out there, such as Whole Foods, really have, have many years ago started the battle of this is why you need to care. What have you found out? You've, you've really expanded your, um, your line. Uh, you've got the Creole spiced okra now, the Bloody Mary mix, you know, and the sriracha, of course, you know, all these different product lines. At what point did you know that the ethics and the integrity behind what you wanted to do with your product would turn into additional product lines and how have you been able to really forge distribution? So first of all, those two products that you were talking about are actually from our friends at The Real Dill that we're doing oh, a gotcha. Day collaboration with. Um, they do make the best Bloody Mary mix out there for sure. And that's why we love them. They're another... Um, local Denver company, pretty similar to our company as well. We make sriracha, but we make many flavors of sriracha, which is something different in that sort of condiment sriracha category. There's pretty much been like the Hoi Fong sriracha on the market. And then the kind of copycat brands are a, a similar red chili squeeze bottle version of that. And what I realized was that when you change the varieties of chili peppers and play with your fermentation, you can get a lot of different flavors. So we're only making sriracha, but we're making different kinds of sriracha and different flavors of sriracha. Well, thank you for that. So then I'm going to change the question around. <laughs> You've really got some great cross promotion that's happening right now. Yes. Um, what have you done to really foster those relationships? And then we'll go back to that distribution question here in just a moment too. Um, but, you know, it takes one to, you know, to know one, right? Um, yeah. and, and this is a small community. And I think you know, the natural food industry in itself, so many brands have started out small and, you know, they either take off or they don't, but even the ones that don't completely take off, there's still that helping hand mentality. Yeah. And collaborations are something that I, I absolutely love and I, I wish we could have more of, but the interesting thing about collaborations is that they're, they're, built on relationships. And so just like your interpersonal relationships with people, the ones that you love the most, they've taken time to grow, they're natural, they're organic, no pun intended. So at one point we had a collaboration, for example, with Ravenswood Winery. We did two wine-infused sriracha's and that lasted a couple years. They are a much bigger company than us. So they had to pull the plug on their smaller collaborations, which included us, but it really taught us that collaboration is this amazing space to get your product out there in a way that you wouldn't be able to otherwise to reach a new audience, but to do something that's interesting and different. I remember we got a ton of press over the course of that collaboration. And one of them was from the Philadelphia Weekly. And mm -hmm. the guy that was writing it, he was like, you know, I got these wine infused sriracha's. I thought it was really gimmicky. And then he's like, then I tried them and they were amazing. He was totally sold. I love so, it. Collaborations are, are wonderful and we're always keeping our eye out for those people and those companies that we jive with. But 
I always have to remember to not try and push it too much because you really want to get to know those people and those brands and their missions and what they're doing because you really want to bring products through for a long time and you want to make sure that you get along with them and that you're taking your products in a similar space so that you can market them and, and believe in what they're doing and believe in what you're doing at the same time. And it's hard to find that like really great synergy. It is. Now, have the partnerships and, and, and collaboration, have they become a part of your distribution strategy? They have. And I think uh, similarly in the same way that we look at it as slow growth, we're, we're looking at, you know, what are some of the spaces we'd like to collaborate in in the future? Because we really have seen that they they can really change our bottom line. Our, our collaborations are generally when somebody is going to be buying a bulk version of our Sriracha, which is really different than what we're marketing to, say, wholesale or on our online store. And when people want to buy a lot of Sriracha from you in that way, uh, our costs are, are so low in terms of packaging that we can really see those dollars drop to the bottom line. That can be really significant for us. At this stage, uh, with any startup, it's really about trying anything um, to really determine what would stick. That's where the creativity comes into play, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's also where the stress comes into play. So oh, this year, for example, very true. we're just like, you know, let's try everything. And so we doubled down on events and we uh, started getting um, the prototype together for a squeeze bottle. And we're just, you know, we're just doing so many things and then refocusing on the online store. And, you know, we're just like throwing darts at the dartboard. And that's, that's great because we're getting tons of feedback. We're figuring out already what's working, what's not working, what we love to do, what we hate to do but we're still kind of stuck doing those things because we've sort of set like deadlines for them or for events, for example, we've scheduled them through the year. So we're committed to doing them and we're already like, man, I wish we could, you know, just toss those out. So there's like this point where you're just kind of in the churn and it's giving you all this great feedback, but you're like, I, I would love to slow down this hamster wheel sometimes. Right. I know it's not easy, but that fortitude is the mentality that those brands, you know, that are succeeding really have. Um, yeah. And they do it year over year over year. So let's talk about that for a moment. What are your thoughts on the role startups play and some of those smaller food brands in the overall natural food ecosystem at this point? I think they're really important. And and I, I think that those smaller brands really have the ability to create much needed change in the food system. And I think it's those entrepreneurial spirits who are pushing the food system in new ways and better ways, ultimately for the consumer, making higher quality products, getting consumers more aware of what they're eating, saying they're going to do something that's better because they believe in that. And I think that there's also a lot of responsibility getting into that food system, it's really easy to get kind of swept away in this like, I'm just going to be this giant food company. And, you know, maybe at some point you become acquired and that can become really problematic as well. Like I saw recently the example of Sir Kensington's who, when I started the company in Brooklyn, they were starting right alongside me, started seeing them pop up on the shelves and they were recently bought by Unilever, which is this huge conglomerate of brands, a lot of brands that I don't think represent the Sir Kensington's brand. So now they're a part of this giant corporation that I don't really think stands for the values that they stand for. And then you have the consumer kind of smack in the middle that had grown up with that brand and what it stood for and might not even understand or know that that brand has shifted in its role or ownership. And so 
it's like, who are we really supporting at some point? So again, I think that that's a, a really complex relationship between these smaller brands and this bigger, as you say, like ecosystem of food industry. Yeah, I agree. Now, the area that our agency is in, uh, the Boulder uh, County area, has really become this, you know, the Silicon Valley, quite frankly, for natural food. Um, and there are just so many startups uh, coming out of, a, you know, very, very close-knit product and many brands um, that have been sold for, you know, multi-million dollar um, amounts. What benefits, if any, has this played on your business? So the, the Boulder food area, I would say the, the brands that are coming out of that are very much in the nationally distributed um, wholesale and grocery space. And we've, from the get-go, we've never done well in grocery. If you put our product next to a squeeze bottle sriracha, there's such a huge price difference that consumers are going to go with the lower price item. And so we've always done well in places that are curated, places that can uh, tell the story where people are really hand selling those items, explaining why our product is better and also more expensive so that they can make that decision. So in a lot of ways, these, these bigger businesses in Boulder really don't resonate with us in that they're in a completely different space. And we really have no desire to move into that huge volume wholesale distribution category. But at the same time, I feel like there's a lot of inspiration that comes out of just having like those neighbors next to you. Like I can remember when I was starting JoJo's and reading about like Justin's nut butters, for example, and his right. story. And I was really inspired by that. So I love that we have this health conscious community and, and Colorado in general is is really supportive of eating well, eating healthy, high quality foods. So it, it helps that that churn and that awareness in our in our cities and in our states. But as far as like direct benefits, we don't really see it just because we are actually in quite different spaces. But I will also say that through that, we have the ability to find mentors or people in that space. Even if they're doing something that's different, they still know a lot about this industry. And we've met people that are willing to share their stories and information and help our little business keep going. Well, I love it. Now, e-commerce is, we're going to get into some marketing um, discussions here. E-commerce is a very, very important component, I think, of many of the small, um, you know, organic food brands that are out there. But, you know, unless you're going online to look for sriracha, you know, which is not something someone does day to day, it's difficult to find you. So that is what, and that is where uh, that grass, you know, the grassroots approaches, the food fairs, the cross promotions that you talk about become very, very important in building the brand awareness because we all know that once someone tries the brand for the first time, that is where that repeat business and that online business really begins to, to take a strong hold. So let's get back to distribution once again here and talk about the importance that the e-commerce solution has played in the overall distribution of the product, if you would. Yeah, so I have mad love for e-commerce. It is absolutely at the core of JoJo's Sriracha. So for example, I sold my first three batches of Sriracha on Etsy before we even had our own website. It was a space that I could use to break into that platform without the overhead of maintaining my own website. And I got a lot of support from Etsy and from that platform just getting started. And eventually we switched over to our own e-commerce uh, platform. We use Shopify platform. 
And so the online store has been my love from the very beginning. And like you're saying, though, it, it is this interesting space where people aren't just like necessarily looking for Sriracha online, but we're definitely trying to get them to. Yeah. And so I... I have so much passion for the online store. That's one of the things that we've learned is kind of, you know, shooting darts at the dartboard, trying to figure out what sticks. What has really stuck with me is that I love selling online. I love the ability of storytelling and connection with your audience that that space gives you. And that's something that I really want to continue to forge and focus on a lot through 2018. And then like probably 80% into um, 2019 is really pushing that initiative forward. I love that. Now, it all starts with good strategy, right? Um, making yeah. sure that you've got a great competitive foothold, um, that you've got the message, message rather, and that positioning to make sure that people are going to look at you as a viable product. Uh, what process, and you just touched on um, the fact that, that messaging and telling that story is very, very important, but along with that, there's a process, right? How do you make sure that the message that you push out to the marketplace dovetails with the market position, that point of differentiation is really going to elicit the response, which is a purchase uh, mm -hmm. from the audience you're driving to the site? So one of the things that's always, I wouldn't even necessarily say it's something that I focus on, it's something that just very naturally came out of me is this desire to connect and tell authentic and vulnerable stories to really be a real person that has a business, a very small business. It's basically myself and my partner. We get a little help for events and for production, but it's really just the two of us that are, are doing this. And people try our Sriracha and they love our product and we stand behind the quality, but they're really buying into us and our dream and our vision. So our email newsletter, for example, we just did one that talked about Father's Day. And I spoke really bluntly about this sort of, you know, complicated relationship with my dad. You know, I said, sometimes my dad is a pain, but, you know, I look back on my life and I look at how awesome he's been. And I show these old photos of my family. And so I'm, I'm continuing to tell this message about who I am. And it's not in that kind of marketing jargon, you know, organic, grass-fed, whatever. Like we have a quality product, but I want them to see the person that's behind it. And right. that's complicated because it requires, you know, me to be vulnerable in front of like strangers or people that I don't really know. But I will say it's also it's so powerful and so rewarding. Like when we put out a newsletter, I almost always get a handful of personal replies that just say like, I love what you're doing. I love your messaging. Or they might say, like, oh, your dad sounds awesome. You know, thanks for sending out that email. This is great. And so it, it is resonating with our, with our people. And we have this small, you know, core of loyal customers who stick around and they've followed our story because they're, they're invested in the real people behind it. And so I feel like that's what allows us to really differentiate because a lot of people don't want to do it. It's tough. <laughs> it's tough. Not everyone wants to put themselves out there in that way, but I totally believe in it. Well, and, and we're going to get into some of the different marketing strategies here in a moment. Obviously, PR um, has really helped you build the brand footprint. Um, certainly, you know, on a Colorado level, there's quite a bit of pre PR uh, surrounding who you are, the product and what you do. You know, Company Week, you know, is another example. Colorado Biz, um, I believe that you were um, one of the 
top companies, you know, grown in Colorado companies, mm -hmm. I think, um, was, and actually, I think that's where I learned about you, you know, and, and the product. I think as the brand grows, you know, you're always trying, you know, different earned strategies, you know, with social content. And certainly you, you just talked about one of the owned strategies, which is your newsletter, which also can be uh, fit within the, the, that content sharing category as well. Talk to us what you've done to really build your approach. Um, and one of the things I love to address here is the fact that brands have to test and scale, right? Mm -hmm. You don't go out of the shoot um, believing, you can't go out of the shoot rather, believing that everything is going to work 100%. You find out by some things not working what to do. Talk to us about how you've built that approach. Yeah, we talk a lot about that because, like I said, it's just myself and, and my partner. And so we have really limited resources. And for the most part, besides our collaboration with Ravenswood, we've really never paid for marketing. We've always done all of our marketing ourselves, whether it's through Facebook or Instagram or email newsletter or going out there and doing events. Um, so it's not like we have a ton of resources to use. And so you really do have to figure out what works. And on one hand, there's the role of tenacity, which is just like, you know, almost forcing things to happen, really pushing through walls and barriers to make something work. But at some point, you have to realize the difference between that and just banging your head against a brick yeah. wall. And there's a there's this little, this little quote that I learned in, I did a, it was called workshop and business opportunities in New York when I was getting the business started. And one of the gals in our class, she was like, fail quick and pivot. Mm. And we talk about that all the time. Like when it's not working, like knowing intuitively the difference between like, we just need to push harder and get through this barrier versus like, it's not working. We need to stop pivot and put our energy somewhere else. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And now, what is one of the coolest programs um, that you've deployed that really worked well and, and pulled? So I wouldn't necessarily say it's like the coolest, but certainly <laughs> most effective, which I think is cool. Um, one of the things that we did is that we realized we were putting a lot of energy into events. And man, when I say a lot of energy, it's not just like you're going to go to say Denver Fleet, which is our most successful Colorado event. They do those three or four times a year. And it is absolutely exhausting. You're talking to thousands of people and it's not just the time that you're spent in the event, it's the setup, it's the takedown. So it's a tremendous amount of energy to get in front of people and talk, but it's also this amazing opportunity because you are literally standing face to face with people that are in your target market to get them to see you, to try your product. And that's where they really buy into the brand. And so one of the things that we've been trying to do is to get their email address for our awesome sauce email newsletter. And we, we really take that seriously because having somebody's email, I think especially with all this kind of conversation around data and privacy, people don't want to give that to you necessarily or it is you know it really is this um, relationship about reciprocity they're giving you something special and so we're basically promising like hey we're not going to blow up your inbox and when we send you something we think it's great and awesome and we hope that you enjoy it and so we're really trying to build that email list when we're talking to people directly because they've seen you and you've kind of broken that that um, barrier between maybe a different experience of them just going online and seeing the website, like they're there face to face. They try the product, they like it, they like us, then you get the email. 
Yeah, I love it. Now, obviously, it's all about creating that loyal customer base and repeat business. And, you know, with that becomes referrals. And, you know, it's just this whole ecosystem, quite frankly, of really building the brand um, and a revenue stream. What do you feel is one of the biggest challenges that you face uh, creating that loyal customer base? Um, I touched on it a little bit, but it's really the time and energy that it takes to do that. We aren't paying people to market our brand for us. So getting loyal customers in an organic way, just it takes a lot of time, a lot of energy. You're telling your story to people over and over again, and you're, you know, you're bringing your, you know, your 100% self to those um, events, for example, when you're speaking to people one-on-one. So it takes a lot of time and energy, but at the same time, that's what allows you to grow that customer um, Yeah, I love it. Now, what are one or two items our audience can use in the next 24 hours to improve their organization's top of mind awareness? I would say to take a hard look at your your social media or your platforms to see what they're really communicating about your brand. And for us, when we did that, we realized like we weren't using our Instagram stories. So we were like missing this whole point of connection with our audience. And we just jumped in, started using them. And we've already seen a return on that with people engaging, more followers, people purchasing from the website. I love it. Jojo, you've been such an inspiration today. We have so many, um, you know, large, large, large percentage of our listeners are in the startup community. And the inspiration that you've shared with us today has been so special. And hopefully, have has been a reminder uh, to even, you know, some of those companies that might be, you know, moving toward that series A, they've got their seed money, they're growing, the importance of so many different uh, tried and true approaches um, that you've shared with us today. I love what you said earlier regarding the role of tenacity is key. Know the difference between this and banging your head against the wall. Thank you so much (laughs) for your appearance on the Integrate and Ignite podcast. Thanks. This episode is complete. But the inspiration has just begun. Head over to avocetcommunications.com for show notes and more aha moments. Tune in regularly to ignite your integrated business and marketing strategies with Lori Jones and the Integrate and Ignite podcast.